Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Uh, today I have uh, as my guest Christina Villegas. Christina is the, the director responsible for Minds to Market program at PACT. Uh, she has been working for the organization for about eight years. One of uh, Christina's uh, assignments is a project that she has in Tanzania, uh, which is a pilot project in which the Gemological Institute of America is involved. And this and others are going to be the focus of our discussion today. Christina, it's lovely to speak with you and thank you very much for taking the time to be with me today. It's my pleasure, Sheila. Thank you for having me. That's wonderful. So uh, I thought we could just start off by uh, saying what the Gemological Institute of America is and why the Institute takes interest in gemstones. Sure. Um, GIA, the Gemological Institute of America, um, is one of the most respected institutions in gemology worldwide. Um, they operate um, several large laboratories around the world, and they offer education classes um, based at five or six campuses around the world um, that train gemologists, that train jewelry professionals. It's one of the most prestigious degrees you can get. It's called a GG graduate gemology degree. They have this lab, this library that tracks new gemstone discoveries um, around the world. And they send out uh, the people called uh, field gemologists uh, to take samples um, so that they can cross-reference it when they're asked to do like an origin um, analysis on sapphires or other gemstones, high value. And they realize that um, uh, people who are mining the gemstones, you know, in remote locations knew the least about them. And um, they got to thinking about how they as an educational organization could change that. And, and so what kind of uh, skills do they actually train the producers of gems in? What, what sort of areas, what skills do they impart? Yeah, sure. Um, so the pilot project that they started with PACT, um, it, it's a, the field-based manual that they introduced, um, and now we're focusing on digitizing it um, into chapters to make it even more widely available. Um, but um, it talks about the journey of the gem, what gems are mined um, in that country, the value factors, what kinds of markets are available. So um, not all gemstones end up in jewelry, for example. Some end up in like the healing crystals market, some end up as, as beads, some end up as um, uh, in artwork, and um, and some others just are decorations around people's houses, uh, the specimen market. Um, and so sometimes miners think that, you know, if they, if they find a really big crystal, they should shatter it because then there's lots of crystals to sell. Don't do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the things we train on. And we also train on um, preparation of the material and how to pre-sort by value. And that's one of the, the key um, lessons that have really been able to change the lives of the miners that we've reached so far. So when you say sort by value, can you explain to the uninitiated, you know, mm -hmm. how one sorts gemstones by value and why this is so valuable a skill for miners? It's a great question. So um, not everything that comes out of a mine is... Um, going to be in Cartier or um, a Tiffany ring or whatever it is. Um, there's lots of different, um, uh, you know, um, values to, the, to those gems. 
um, some, you know, some, some, some rubies are bright red and you can see it across the room. And some rubies are kind of pale and kind of uninteresting. Um, so we teach the miners how to group them by color, how to evaluate for clarity. Um, and before we were noticing that the, the pilot classes of miners um, that we worked with in Tanzania, they were just selling their, their gems by the, the bagful, um, by the kg. And so a big bag of rubies would you know, be, be sold at whatever the um, a broker would, would, would say. But when, when people start sub, um, subdividing and creating parcels based on features, you start demonstrating your knowledge of the market and what these things are worth. And you start um, being able to ne negotiate based on your knowledge that these bright, clear rubies are what um, the highest uh, markets want. Yes, so really the, the buyers were taking advantage of uh, the miners Absolutely. Um, and the miners had no idea what they did not know. Um, and they just, their confidence was low when they negotiated because they didn't know what things were worth. Um, and that was revealed pretty quickly. Um, you know, the whole supply chain is set up um, against miners. Um, no one goes and educates them on what their stuff is worth, because if they do, the miners will demand more money. And so that's one of the reasons this program was so special is because GIA went out and started teaching miners with PAC's help um, to reach them and, and present it in minor-friendly ways <laughs> um, and it measures impact. So in terms of impact, um, we increased these miners' incomes between three and five times what they were making before. I'll just let you appreciate that number, three to five times. And that is mainly pre-sorting by value. That's, that's the main um, driver of that number. Um, and, um, but the miners kept telling us, you know, we're so grateful that you were there, that you were here, but we're still selling when we're hungry. We're still selling when we need to pay school fees. What we need is a reliable market. Um, and I, I got to thinking about how we could make that happen. Hmm. So a couple of things as I listened to you. Uh, the first is that, you know, uh, the, the, say, let's take a country like Tanzania, which is the uh, uh, sole producer of Tanzanite, which is uh, a valuable gem mm -hmm. and one that is increasingly being marketed. It's one thing, isn't it, Christina, to speak about the revenue uh, leakage and the uh, loss of value through bad pricing and bad valuing. But what about the, 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 the regulator? Surely there's also a loss of value to the government in terms of the goods being bought and exported without having value. Where in that internal uh, chain of events does the regulator uh, come in? Um, the regular comes in at almost every point um, in terms of best practice. Um, they should be there when the miner um, applies to their license um, and can give them resources on what's available um, and some basic gemology training. That's one thing we are going to be um, working on over the next calendar year is having recordings available. Um, and these guidebooks available at um, all the mining, all the main gem mining, region offices. Um, the regulator should be there to make sure that the miners um, and the folks who, who fund them um, understand 
what the market is demanding now. And what the market is demanding now is increasing traceability. How do you do that in, our, in an ASM mine? We know, how, we know how to do that now, but how do you spread the word? Um, what the market mm -hmm. is demanding now is standards. <laughs> how, what on earth are these standards? Um, how do you reach them? And how do I get them in Swahili? Um, and then um, at, at point of export, um, making sure that that process is very easy. And one thing we, we come across routinely um, in this part of the world is a really difficult export process, one that the rules always change and it's never the same process every time. Um, and that's not a very business friendly um, process. Mm. So, so there, uh, I'm hearing you saying uh, the regulator uh, comes in pretty much at every stage. And then you follow that up by saying best practice. So mm. that is best practice, but what really pertains, uh, because my assumption is that, certainly in certain parts of Tanzania, my understanding is that uh, the artisanal miners actually have been legally allocated uh, plus to mine. So there is some level of regulation where does the system start to break such that uh, mm -hmm. there is no system for valuing the production in a way that not only would benefit the producer, uh, but also would benefit the state uh, in being able to levy taxation both on the miners and those who buy for export sales? Um, you know, taxation um, is a tricky thing in ASM. Um, and what I always tell governments is you want to create a situation where people want to become formal. Um, because if you, if, you, if you expect people to become formal and pay taxes willingly, you'll be waiting for a very long time. Um, what we've done um, with Moyo Gems is create um, a, an incentive for formality. So one of the rules uh, for this program that followed the GIA program um, is to show that you're on a legal mining license. And there's different ways you can do that. And I can talk about that. Uh, the Tanzanian government was very creative with us. Thank you. Thank you for them. Um, but it's, it's not um, about always control and about the stick. It's about more about the carrots that um, you offer. Um, I guess um, carrots in this case is uh, C-A-R-A-T-S. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so, um, you want to encourage people just to use a, a formal trading route. In our case, the miners are making 95% of the export value of these stones. <laughs> now everybody wants to be part of that system um, and doesn't mind registering and or teaming up with their neighbors to get a group license um, or to formalize their agreement they had. Um, so it's, um, it's hard to kind of have a short answer for your question, um, Sheila, but um, at, at the heart of it, it's um, creating incentive, um, but also having, um, you know, the Tanzanian government does have a system where they value gems on export. Um, so I want to make sure they give them credit. Um, and, you know, as we expand to the lower value stones, um, I think we'll have to make sure that valuation is um, you know takes into account the lower value um, you know qualities of that, of that ruby or that tourmaline because um, you know gemstones are, are are a difficult thing to value. Um, everyone is different, and so um, having like Excel spreadsheets doesn't always 
uh, doesn't always work in, in this case. Hmm. Uh, so you, you, you've spoken about, you've made reference to Moyo Gems. Shall we take a step back and just say who Moyo Gems is and, and what you are doing with Moyo Gems? Yeah, sure. Um, Moyo Gems is my dream come true. <laughs> um, it is a um, mine to market initiative focused on the female miners of Tanzania. Um, it follows from a GIA pilot program that um, worked with this initial group of miners um, to improve their incomes and, and geological knowledge. And it provides a stable, um, predictable market where these ladies can bring their stones and uh, sell directly to international traders, thereby capturing the majority of the value of these stones. And so um, they get a number of benefits. Um, they get 95% um, of the export value of that stone. Um, they get uh, free health and safety training. They get free gemology training. Um, and now we're about to roll out um, economic savings groups um, to um, the women in, in, in our footprint. Um, and that helps them diversify their incomes, um, help them really start leaning in to plan for tomorrow, really stabilizing livelihood and not being, not having, being so reliant on gem mining um, when, of course, COVID stopped international markets. Um, for some time uh, and really um, made some communities vulnerable. So what, what, we're, what we're hoping to do is um, you know, help these communities thrive in, in the short and long term. At the risk of asking uh, the obvious, mm. why women? <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, why not men? Yeah, um, so most people don't realize that um, 90% of all mine labor in the world are artisanal and small-scale miners. And of that 90%, 30% are women. Yet, that's a shock to most people I, t I tell that to. Um, and then they, they try to argue with me, and then I give them a few examples. Um, uh, and, um, and then you start to understand the beauty of, of, of ASM and, and who's involved and, and why. Um, so we chose women because um, they're underserved. Um, they are the most marginalized of the ASM population because people don't think of them. Um, and then they don't, and, and that kind of builds on itself. And so it's a self perpetuating cycle of marginalization. Um, and I'm a feminist. <laughs> so um, my question is, why not? Um, and uh, I asked GIA if they're underserved. And they said, if there's a problem, let's do it. Um, and so we did, and that happened to capture the imagination of the jewelry sector. I think they've realized um, seeing other industries change, um, for example, tech, um, the last 15 years, it's shown that um, traceability is, is possible when, you, when they might have assumed it was impossible. They've really started to see um, and realize that um, uh, that their, their supply chains are opaque. So we've been embraced um, pretty much universally by the jewelry sector. Um, we've been in Vogue magazine twice. We've been in Forbes twice. <laughs> we've been um, National Jeweler multiple times, um, JCK, others, um, countless webinars. I think people are intrigued by, um, by who's mining these products. And that as women um, is really interesting to them because it's women at the source 
um, producing products for women at the um, at the jewelry counter. So um, mm. overall, it's um, it's been positive. We have got some negative reaction. Um, some people telling us it's still impossible to trace most gemstones. And I turn to them and we can brainstorm about how, you know, how to unpack um, their supply chain, because actually it's not impossible. It, it just lacks some creativity and lacks some expertise. Um, so I, I, give, I send an invitation to people who say um, it's impossible to have a chat and we can, we can show and transform um, your supply chains um, into the forces for development versus forces for um, Marginalization. Mm. So you, I, I'm intrigued by your choice of phrase. You, you, you made a reference to the beauty of ASM, but you've also been quoted as saying that PAC views ASM as a potential solution that could empower people. This is an unusually but welcome positive view. Could you explain first how what you mean, but also how PAC reached this conclusion? Yeah, sure. Um, so ASM can be beautiful. <laughs> um, artisanal and small-scale mining, ASM. Um, but it needs to be well-supported. Um, so let me talk about why it can be beautiful. Um, for every artisanal or small-scale mining job, there are six jobs created downstream. Um, if you look to Professor Gavin Hilson, that he, he documents that well. Um, it tends to be in the informal sector, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means that it's not captured by traditional economists. Um, so it's hidden wealth, but it's there. Um, we uh, have done some um, interesting research for um, the East Africa Research Fund, where um, we document the millions and millions and millions of dollars um, uh, in direct benefit and local economic development in Kenya, Uganda, and uh, Rwanda that ASM brings. And actually, um, you would think that it's gold and gems, but actually it can be things like bricks, bricks and clay. Um, but let's, let's be honest, ASM can look pretty shocking to people who see it for the first time. Um, and that's because um, it's often people in the dirt um, wearing ragged clothes, and um, mining in pretty difficult conditions. Um, but my reaction to that is, well, you don't um, wear your Sunday best when you mine. Um, you wear the clothes that you don't mind getting ragged. And um, the reaction is not to walk away, the action is to engage because ASM has been with us for thousands of years. Um, and the unethical thing is to walk away or to turn to larger scale mining as a substitute when people will keep, keep doing this. Um, and wouldn't it be interesting if we took advantage of global sustainability trends to bring more transparency and ethics to our mining instead of walking away and abandoning people who um, this brings a livelihood. Um, and, you know, in many places around the world, you know, rural miners make far more, several times more um, than uh, the average, you know, rural person. So I remember being in Liberia and in the rainy season, people were making $17 a day um, in, the, in the gold mines there when the average person in Liberia is making $2 a day. So it's, um, you know, people are choosing this for, uh, uh, as a record as a rational economic choice 
and our response as um, as nonprofits, as development practitioners, as um, corporate change makers is how do you improve that by working with them and including them and setting progressively improved uh, uh, targets uh, for their mining. Hmm. So um, because um, your observation is that women are uh, adversely and disproportionately affected uh, by uh, ASM activities uh, and that in the retail sector, though you recently uh, got a good reception, it, it, it was uh, long coming. What do you say then to other women downstream who are consumers of this jewelry, who may not be consciously connecting their purchases with the plight of the women uh, upstream? Um, well, I'll have to disagree with you a little bit, Sheila. Um... Yes, in some situations where there's high conflict, um, like Eastern Congo, um, or um, where there's war zones, yes, um, absolutely. It, it would be obvious to anyone that women would be um, disproportionately um, negatively affected because of the you know, security issues um, and, and violence towards them. Um, but in, in other situations, um, they can be treated as equals. And that's what we're seeing in Tanzania um, in this the area where, where Moyo gems is. You have women and men actually working together. And that's not because of Moyo, that's just how it was, um, because there were so many women minors to begin with. Um, I think for, you know, so let's, let's just make sure to, to kind of distinguish between kind of conflict zones where um, women are obviously neg most likely negatively affected. Um, and non-conflict zones, which is majority of the world, um, luckily. Um, so um, I think for women who um, want to help other women, you should seek out um, these initiatives that are working with them. So you have um, you know, initiatives like Moyo Gems, you have mines like Zimakwa in Zimbabwe who are proactively employing women miners um, as their employees for a larger scale mine. Um, you have um, a program called Just Gold in Congo um, that works with women um, significantly. I don't think it's majority, but I think it's significantly. Um, you have um, uh, mines in Peru, for example, that are working with indigenous women. So wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome for all of us to send a demand signal um, that we wanna see more of this? Because um, I think it's so easy for um, for people to be blind to gender gender issues and not see the people right right in front of us. Um, but if you send that demand signal that you're, you want to buy this stuff, um, people will start seeing um, the individual miners and targeting them more. And that lifts, um, if, if, if it's done right, um, with intentionality and the right support, um, that can lift uh, the women in that supply chain. As we know, the basic law of economics, uh, when there is demand, then uh, the price will go up. And hopefully, if uh, all the uh, right regulatory measures are in place to ensure the value chain uh, is dynamic and that value accrues across the value chain, then uh, that should serve the, the women miners and other miners. So I wanted to ask you another question then, uh, mm. Christina. 
Given uh, your advocacy for support of women uh, in artisanal mining and including those who mine uh, what are essentially, uh, for most part, luxury objects like uh, uh, gemstones, mm-hmm. what do you say to people who say, look, for mere uh, enjoyment of luxury, for merely allowing uh, wealthy people, mainly in the North, to adorn themselves. It isn't worth the uh, potential human rights abuse. It isn't worth the potential environmental damage. Yeah, I think you're kind of hinting at the rise of lab-grown gemstones um, and the the rise of lab-grown diamonds, um, with people using that argument. that's one of the reasons I'm trying to wake up the jewelry sector, <laughs> um, because I see this um, as um, a consumer trend. Most of my most of my friends have bought lab-grown diamonds, and when I ask them why, um, they say, "Well, I can get more carat for my dollar, and um, I know that this lab-grown um, diamond did not fund conflict." So you know, even you know, decades later, we still have consumers um, worrying about um, you know, the human rights abuses of diamonds. That's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about um, waking up the jewelry sector because I, I worry that this lab-grown trend will continue and you know cut off income sources for rural people. Um, so I, I um, so I, I hear their concern uh, and I think they're right. Um, I think, the, I think the correct response to that is to look for initiatives that do exist. Um, and that's one of the reasons I'm so vocal about Moyo because we exist. You can buy the gems uh, really easily. Um, and um, we can, and the, the jewelry sector can, can grow in this direction and it needs to, to protect its, its own interests to be quite frank. Hmm. So what you're saying is, uh, by all means, identify these uh, problems such as they are, whether it's conflict or whether it is human rights, whether it's environmental degradation. But having done that, don't use that as an excuse to destroy a whole source of livelihood for people. Instead, put into place the right measures to ensure the sourcing, the mining, and all related matters are responsible. That's exactly right. Thank you, Sheila, for saying it so um, so crisply. Um, I just want to remind people that um, mining is the second um, biggest non-farm uh, employment for people in Africa. Um, and you know, mining happens all over the place, um, but that's that was a, a shock to me. Um, second biggest non-farm, you know, um, income source for people. This is um, it's, that's that's a big deal. And um, in the places that we work, um, you often see people signing in, like if, if they can write and read and write, they'll, they'll put um, farmer slash miner or miner slash farmer. And they're mixing livelihoods because they need to, because farming is becoming um, less reliable um, and they use the mining income to invest in their farms. And if that, that market disappears, what's gonna, what's gonna happen to them? They'll become even more vulnerable. Um, let's not pretend otherwise. Um, so um, I um, urge consumers to, um, you know, to ask about Moyo or Virtue or um, Gemfair, these kind of programs that are emerging. Um, and I ask the jewelry sector to wake up 
um, because lab grown um, is is on the rise and, and they know it. Um, and there's a solution. Um, this this rich storytelling um, and stories of change, in my opinion, is one of those solutions. Hmm. So um, it's interesting uh, what you're saying about uh, the lab grown, but you you focus uh, largely on uh, artisanal mining. I, I guess you realize essentially that the bigger picture here is is not your, your though your immediate uh, stakeholders, your immediate beneficiaries are artisanal miners. In truth, you are now advocating and mass for mining because you can't, uh, if you wish, uh, advocate for artisanal small 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 scale mining, uh, but not large scale mining to the extent that both uh, contribute immensely to people's livelihoods, uh, but also national economies. Am I uh, projecting your position correctly? I, um, I promote responsible mining at all scales. Um, so there's some beautiful work being done by larger scale companies, and I do not want to um, undermine that at all. Um, you know, De Beers and Newmont and, and, and others um, have really um, shown us what good looks like. And I'll be very clear uh, and there, I, I say that should be, it should be applauded um, their, with their recent mines. Some of their, some of their historic mines and other locations, I think have some issues, but um, I want to give credit where it's due. But, um, you know, ASM, most people don't know anything about it. Um, and it um, is such an important livelihood for literally millions of people, 42 million people by last count, the majority of which are gold miners. Um, so that, that's why I'm so passionate is because they are unseen and they can be villainized so easily. Um, and I, I just get so annoyed when I, when I see most press that they, that they are villainized. And, that, and a direct result of that is human rights violations against them are seen as acceptable. For example, in the last two years, uh, Glencore and Tanky Fengarumi have sent the military in to clear out artisanal miners on their DRC concessions. <laughs> because we villainize ASM, you know, it, people don't even blink about that. Um, it's uh, it's shocking to me. So I I guess my my goal is to bring humanity and show people these are just these these people like trying to make a living, um, and there's so many of them. Why not? Um, give them a, a hands up um, to help improve their mining um, and, and help communities thrive. Mm. You are right about vilifying. I mean, the, some of the most uh, gross images of humanity I have seen were mm -hmm. images of artisanal miners. And, and so uh, it, it, these images very powerfully uh, put the activity in very bad light. What is lacking? Uh, the, 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 the counter images of what works. One very rarely sees uh, artisanal mining portrayed in a way that is positive. And, and so the world is uh, bombarded with these images. I think, you know, while no doubt some of them are very genuine and need to be seen, I think balancing this imagery uh, is crucial because part of this uh, negativity and the potential for people to walk away from purchasing uh, goods 
from artisanal miners has to do with what they see, not what they know. Mm-hmm. Is that not right? That's exactly right, Sheila. Um, it's actually one of the reasons that the World Bank and PAC um, launched an initiative called Delve, a Delve database.org. Um, it was to start bringing data and stories um, to the forefront because we kept hearing these recycled, out of date numbers that weren't true and that were um, allowing ASM to be continually villainized when it's such a diverse sector. Now, not everyone's an angel, let's be very clear, but the majority of people are just trying to make a living. And like I mentioned before, one third are women. Um, We found some really cool data um, a few years ago when we we did a baseline in Zimbabwe. And um, we found that the average uh, miner in Zimbabwe um, is not some wildcat miner uh, who's, you know, teenager or early 20s, um, you know, single and, you know, wants sex, drugs and rock and roll. The average miner, the data, this extensive baseline data said that the average miner was, was a male in his 50s, married, high school education and had more children than the average Zimbabwean. It's not a myth buster. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if, if you imagine this population to be this violent, chaotic group, um, then you're going to have violent policies towards them um, versus if you actually are designing programs for people um, with data, um, you have much more interesting policies you know, coming out, don't you? Here is my last question to you. Mm-hmm. You've talked passionately about the importance of pushing back uh, against uh, lab-grown gems because they are, of course, viewed by some as the moral alternative. Mm. And, but, but the outcome is that uh, if that trend uh, you know, continues and they, they succeed in replacing the natural, one of the things I worry about is the injustice that will happen, which is to say for countries in the South, mm-hmm. these laboratories and others in the North are growing these lab-made gems will erode the livelihood of people overnight. And so you will have more poverty in the South, thanks Mm -hmm. to the actions in the North. Morally, I think that is indefensible. Mm -hmm. So- I totally agree with you. (laughs) Well, coming back to your your notion of carrots, what are you saying to the lab uh, stone growers? And what carrot are you giving them to, or offering them or suggesting to them uh, as a way of making them come to our side morally and be more interested in the livelihood of the whole world? Yeah, um, I think my challenge to them would be, um, you know, you have to stop using the word ethical. Um, and also they, they have um, some serious issues that they, that they, they need to focus on. Uh, the biggest one is energy use. Um, and I think the second biggest one is, yeah, the, the concentration of jobs in, in the North. Um, and wouldn't it be interesting to have solar power diamonds um, in, the, in the global South? That Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, but I think the challenge um, and where I'm focusing a lot of my energy is um, to consumers, which is a massive audience, basically the whole world, <laughs> um, but also more so to the traditional jewelry industry 
um, that um, needs to save itself. Um, and for consumers, um, what I'm offering is um, a story of, um, you know, of rural livelihoods, a story of change, um, a story of transparency, and a story of, you know, your, your purchase improves someone's life because we, it's not just some anonymous population that we're um, preying on. It's, um, it's, 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 it's Hadijah, it's Mary, um, it's Moanahana, um, you know, it's Miriam. Um, and, and, and creating that, that kind of closer relationship um, to these miners um, and educating these consumers. It is a long journey, <laughs> um, but we're obviously doing something right because you know we've gotten so much attention. Um, and my goal is to um, replicate this um, around the world. Mm, but also that I worked uh, for DBS, and so I think in the interest of transparency, I should say yes. uh, I am probably partial towards uh, uh, natural stones. Uh, mm. But uh, I, I want to just take a moment to thank you for illuminating and giving this issue, but also um, giving us a different perspective. The object of the Sheila Kama Extracted podcast is not to advocate one or another, but to allow others uh, who have their hands on the deck like you to give us a perspective. So, uh, Christina, thank you very much for taking the time. I'm sure we'll be talking to each other again in different fora. <laughs>